Bibles, please turn to Proverbs chapter number 5. Proverbs chapter number 5 is where we're going to be tonight. And aren't you glad that the Lord has never failed us? Yes, we might. We're going to fail him. All of us are going to fail him. But praise the Lord, he has never failed us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I was on the phone today with uh, somebody from another state, and uh, we were just doing a little bit of talk, and he was talking to me about how he just felt like he wasn't where he should be. And I just told him, I said, hey, the Bible says, a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. You know, that's part of that failing, and we're going to fail him. But just get back up, get back up. He's, he's there to, 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 to nurture you and to bring you along. Hey, the Bible says, draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. So all we have to take is that first step, and he's right there waiting for us. He's not going to stiff arm us. You know, sometimes you see football players, and they do that little stiff arm. The Lord's not going to do that to us, so praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be in church tonight. If you're glad to be in church, would you say Amen. amen. Proverbs chapter number five. I was really looking forward to the preacher doing the X tonight. I was really, I wanted to see how he was going to bring a, bring a rabbit out of the hat today. Uh, I was teasing him yesterday. I, I looked in my Strong's Concordance, and those of you that may not know what a Strong's Concordance is, it's a, it's a, it's a big book, kind of, not like a dictionary, but it's got all the references of different words in the Bible, and it tells you kind of what the, the meaning of the word is and the Greek background to it and, or the Hebrew meaning to it. And so I just thought, I'm going to, just for kicks, I'm going to go look at the, the letter X. And you know how many words, I mean, this book, this book is probably that thick or so. I mean, you know, they've got all the ins and the thes and just every word listed. And uh, there was like three words in the X's. So I ran over to the preacher's office. I preacher, I said, I want to see how you're going to pull a rabbit out of this hat. And he said, that's why you're preaching because we're skipping it. I'm hoping they're going to forget. So, uh, but anyway, we'll praise the Lord. I've enjoyed that series. That's been good. But I'm thankful for my church tonight. I was doing a little bit of reminiscing uh, the other day, and I was thinking about the, what Woodland Baptist Church has meant to me, and it's been now almost a little over seven years that my wife and I came to Woodland Baptist Church, and we were just kind of wondering what the Lord would have for us, and Brooke, it's hard to imagine, Brooke was only about uh, uh, seven months old when we got here, and now she's a little over seven, and she's just kind of grown up here, and Mason was just about two and a half, three years old, and we just enjoy the spirit here, and the great preaching and just felt like home from the very, very first service that we got here. It was Easter Sunday. I remember it so vividly. We came that Sunday morning and we were here and then uh, I think they were doing that Easter drama that night. So we said, well, let's just go ahead and come back. And uh, you folks have just welcomed us so much and been been so kind to us and we're glad to be here at Woodland. And then, you know, I, sometimes you don't know what the Lord has planned. And I didn't know all that he had planned. And next thing I know, preacher talked to me about coming on staff and working for him and and, uh, and so we did that and felt like that was the Lord's will. And so here we are. And so uh, it's good to be at Wood. I hope you appreciate your church tonight. And uh, it's obvious you do because you're here on a Wednesday night. It's a pretty good crowd for a Wednesday night right after the 4th of July, right in the middle of summer. So praise the Lord for that. Well, page number 675 in the Old Schofield Reference Bible. If you want to turn there, it's good to be in church tonight. Thank you for your faithfulness. We're going to pick up on the, the study of the book of Proverbs that we've kind of been doing as I preach on Wednesday nights, and we're going to pick up on that. 
And, uh, you know, some people recommending, recommend us to read a chapter of Proverbs each day. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, and they suggest that you read one chapter. So today being July 7th, you would read Proverbs chapter number 7. Tomorrow, Proverbs chapter 8, and so on. They say it's good to just do that every month to try to get some of the wisdom of Proverbs into our heart. And so if you're able to do that, I encourage you to maybe take that up. But the writer of the book of Proverbs is Solomon. And we all know a little bit about Solomon, most likely. He asked God for wisdom, and God granted him wisdom. He could have had anything. God said, I'm going to give you one, one wish. What's your desire? And Solomon said, give me wisdom. And Solomon was a very prosperous king. He was, they say that he was the wisest man that ever lived. And uh, here we see the book of Proverbs. It's a father giving instructions to his son. So he's trying to import, impart knowledge to his son. And what may I say, what a good father to, to try to import, impart knowledge or instruction to his son or to his daughter. And the father is telling his son how to live. And uh, there's several new parents in here tonight. And, you know, you think about it when you go back to thinking about when you first became a parent. And you get that news that you're going to be a mom or you're going to be a dad. And maybe now you, you, you do those gender reveals and all that. And you start preparing. And there's baby showers and there's car seats and diaper bags to buy and high chairs and uh, a baby room and decorations to be put up and strollers and baby carriers and all that. But there's a God-given desire within each and every one of us as parents to be a good mother or to be a good father. And as time goes on, if we're not careful, just as a side note, we, we, we can sometimes, we don't invest as much into our children or invest as much time or maybe as much effort. Maybe the, the job gets us sidetracked or maybe other things gets us sidetracked. But I want to encourage you, encourage myself, let's keep investing in our children, whether they're five, whether they're 10 or they're 15, because one of these days they're not going to be around. They're going to grow up and they're going to have their family and their children. We pray that they'll still come around and everything, but we only have just a little bit of time. And those of you that have raised children, you can identify. I've had numerous people here tell me, you know, enjoy the days. I've had people tell me, the, they'll say, the, what is it? The days are long, but the years are short. And uh, we're, we just have them just for a little brief time. But our role is so much more than to just provide shelter. And it's so much more than to provide just clothing and food. But God gives us a child. The Bible says that children are an heritage of the Lord. And we have a big responsibility to instruct that child. And so Solomon takes the opportunity and he tries to instruct his child, Rehoboam. And he, 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 he goes through the book of Proverbs and there's certain words that you can pull out of the book of Proverbs. Months and months ago, we went through the seven words that are kind of the key words of the book of Proverbs. I said the first one was the word, our, our walk. You know, Solomon talks to Rehoboam. He says, Rehoboam, I want you to guard your walk. I want you to, to watch what you do. I want you to, to watch who you hang around. And so we looked at that. Then we looked at the word wisdom and how throughout the book of Proverbs, 196 different times we see some form of the word wisdom. We see 125 times the word wisdom. We see 71 times the word wise. And so Sol uh, Solomon's saying to Rehoboam, Rehoboam, get wisdom. Go after it. Then he says, uh, the, he gives us the word words. And I would dare to say that all of us can be better 
with our words, with our tongue. The book of James talks about the tongue and how it is an unruly evil. It's just a small little member, but it can do such damage. It can just set on fire the course of hell. And so we need to guard our words. Number four, he talks about women. And we're going to look at that tonight in Proverbs chapter number five. But in Proverbs five, six, and seven, there's what's labeled as the strange woman. Then in Proverbs 31, we see the virtuous woman. And so he, he speaks to, to Rehoboam. He says, I want you to be careful about this area of women. Then number five, he says the word wine. He talks about that. And he, he tries to warn his son about wine, liquor, strong drink, beer, you fill in the blank. But the Bible's against that. You say, well, where? Well, if the Bible tells us not even to look upon it, surely we're not to drink it. Surely we're not to touch it. So the Bible speaks about wine. Then the Bible speaks about wealth. We're to, to be careful about dealing with money. It's okay to have money, but don't let money have you. And so we need to be careful about that. Number seven, we, we looked at the word work. Solomon's talking to his son. He says, don't be a sluggard. So we looked at those seven key words. Then when we were in chapter four, we looked at the whole subject of wisdom. We talked about how Solomon spoke to, to Rehoboam, and he says, son, I want you to pursue it. I want you to, to go after it. And you say, well, how do, how do we know that Solomon put an importance on wisdom? Well, because he simply, he asked for wisdom. I mean, if you're going to ask for something, it shows that that's important to him. Then we looked at the, not just the pursuit of wisdom, how he was supposed to go after it because it was the principal thing, but then we looked at the priority of wisdom. And in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 7, uh, 5, 6, 7, and 8, he talks about don't forget it. He said don't decline from it. He said love her, and he's speaking about wisdom. He says forsake her not. He says exalt her, embrace her. Look at Proverbs 4 and verse number 7. It says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. So he's telling Rehoboam, he says, get wisdom. Get it down deep inside of you. And I want to encourage Woodland Baptist Church and encourage myself. Let's seek wisdom. In our personal life, it should be the main thing. So we see the pursuit of wisdom. We see the priority of wisdom, but then we looked at the productivity of wisdom. Wisdom is so productive, and we won't go all through that, but tonight, here we come to chapter number five. We're going to read two verses, and then we'll kind of dive into the rest of the chapter. But if you'll draw your attention to chapter number five, verse number one, the Bible says, and throughout the book of Proverbs, we see that little phrase that Solomon says to try to get his son's attention. He says, my son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge. So he starts off the first two chapters he said, in the first two verses, he said, I want you to get wisdom. He keeps repeating that, repeating that. And then he goes into verse number three. And before we get into that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this opportunity to preach the word of God, Lord. And I pray that as we try to preach your word, God, that uh, you'd hide me behind the cross, Lord. I pray that you'd have me to say the things that you'd have me to say and just simply leave out the things that you would have me leave out, God. And I pray that we might apply this message to our heart, God. Some of us, uh, and myself included, God, we can dismiss a topic like this and think, oh, that'll 
that'll never happen to us, or I'm above that, but Lord, we're, none of us are, God, and I pray that you'll help us tonight. Lord, be with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So tonight we come to chapter 5, and I said earlier that chapters 5, 6, and 7 are dealing with the strange woman. And so tonight we're going to look at, simply from the Bible, an admonishment about adultery. An admonishment about adultery. You might think to yourself, well, isn't this kind of like maybe it should be maybe a Sunday morning message? Or, and it very well could have been, but I realize the crowd that I'm speaking tonight is the Wednesday night crowd. I realize that you are the ones that are here, but you know what? The truth of the matter is none of us are above that. None of us are above it. I mean, if we're not careful, the devil would love nothing more than to slip in and to break up our home. I think about how our preacher preached on Sunday morning about our families without foundation. And today, our homes are in trouble. We should do everything within our power to, to fight for our home, fight for our marriage, fight for righteousness. I won't bore you with a lot of statistics tonight, but I looked up a few statistics. It says it is estimated that 10% of affairs start online. Then it said 36% of those who committed adultery did so with a coworker. So that's almost four out of 10. It ends up with a coworker. 53% of all marriages end in divorce. So basically one out of two end in divorce. And we see that in America today. But then I looked up, I thought, okay, if 53% end up in divorce, how many are caused because of infidelity or adultery? And here's the stat that I looked up. It says infidelity is responsible for 20 to 40% of all those divorces. So of the 53%, uh, one out of five or, or up to two out of five are because of infidelity. And all of us know people who have been affected by it, and I would encourage you and encourage myself, let's never throw rocks at those who are divorced or marriage or a marriage falls on hard times because it can happen to any of us. It, but for the grace of God, there go I. And we could be in that very same situation. You know, you might hear of, a, hear of something in the church where maybe somebody's having a hard time or maybe, maybe so-and-so split up. Let's not go and gossip that. Let's not go and get on the phone and all of a sudden, did you hear about so-and-so? Let's take it to the Lord in prayer like they sung that song. Let's talk to the Lord about it. Let's say, hey, Lord, we, we know it's your will that, that one man and one woman together for life, let's take it to God and say, God, would you mend that home? Would you help maybe the preacher as he deals with that situation and tries to be a blessing? And, and let's pray to that end. Let's not talk about it, but let's realize that the devil is out to destroy your home. The devil's out to destroy my home, especially those homes that seek to honor the Lord. We've got a target in our back, and I'm not trying to sensationalize that tonight, but it's real. The devil's real. He wants to wreck our home. Man, let's be so very careful about the devil's devices, his method of operation. Ladies, let's be so very careful about the devil getting into your spirit and getting into your outlook on life and toward your husband and children. So we come to chapter 5, and adultery is the major topic of chapter 5. I mean, basically starting in verse number 3 all the way down through about number, number 19, he's speaking about this topic. So I want to ask the question, how 
in the world today when there's so much filth on the internet, there's so much filth be, being pushed on our TV and being pushed here and there. And what do they say? They say sex sales. I mean, we're just inundated with it. The, you drive down Highway 52 and you might see a banner or, or be on the interstate somewhere and you might see something or just an ad pop up on your computer. We're inundated with that. So how can one maintain sexual purity? None of us are exempt from being sexually impure. I mean, it can, it can happen to a 20-year-old. It can happen to a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old, a 50-year-old, 60, all the way up. To, I've even heard of cases in people in their 80s. No joke, I've heard of it. And so we need to be very, very careful. I want to give you four basic things, and we're going to move our way through this chapter here to this, this evening. Four basic things. They all start with the letter I if you want to take notes. Uh, but we're going to look at how can, we be, how can we stay sexually pure. We want to look at this admonishment about adultery tonight. And so let's do that. Number one, I would say let's be immersed. You say, what are you talking about, Brother Mark? Well, the Bible says here, My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ear to my understanding that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge. So here again, we see the phrase, my son. He's, get, he's trying to get Rehoboam's attention. Instruction. He's giving instruction. He says, hey, I want you to stay wise concerning the things of God. This chapter shows the path that we should take. In the first part of the chapter, it talks about how uh, the, 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 the destruction that it can bring, and he's trying to warn Rehoboam. The second part of the chapter, he's praising fidelity. He's praising just staying with your wife. We are to be immersed in teaching and instruction. You know, one of the things that will help us is we just stay around the teaching of the Word of God. If we'll just stay around the Word of God, you know, in addition to your personal Bible time and in addition to your prayer with the Lord, your prayer time, you're here tonight hopefully because you seek teaching. You seek instruction. We are to be immersed in teaching, in the teaching of the Word of God. The word immerse has a couple meanings. Most, a lot of times when we, when we think about the word immerse, we think about the baptistry. And the word immerse just simply means to plunge or to dip under into a liquid. And so that's where we get the word baptized from. It, it's, it's to immerse. But the second definition of immerse just simply means to involve oneself deeply in an interest. Let me ask you, how deeply are you involved in seeking wisdom tonight? Is it the principal thing in your life? Do you seek instruction from the Word of God? You say, well, Brother Mark, I'm here tonight. During the week, do you seek instruction? Do you, do you listen to preaching? Do you listen to good music? Do you read the Bible? Boy, we need to be, in, be immersed in this thing. Uh, is that your burning desire? Is that my burning desire to get instruction? Are you immersed in it? Do you just sink yourself into it? Maybe you might say, well, I, I just can't get enough teaching. I can't get enough preaching. The Bible says in Proverbs 4 and verse number 7, it says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Wisdom is discernment. 
Years ago, I, I came across an illustration. It was, called, it was an illustration about somebody reading between the lines. And uh, the year was 1944. And as you know, if you know your war history, that was towards the end of World War II. And there was an operation called Operation Fortitude. And it was one of the most important parts of the Allied war effort against the German uh, forces during World War II. And despite its importance, it was a very important operation. And despite its importance, Almost no one outside uh, of this certain area, no one outside of what they call the London controlling section, even knew of this operation existence. The purpose of this operation was simply this. They wanted to deceive the Germans so that they would not reinforce their defense. And so what they began to do is the Allied forces began to get together. And what they did is they intentionally leaked false information to the enemy. They intentionally planted uh, different news stories. They fed detailed copies of fake invasion plans to, to, to known German spies. So if they would figure out that somebody was a German spy, they would give them these, these invasion plans and act like they're just feeding information. Almost sounds like social media today a little bit, uh, just feeding the false information. But we, we, they created elaborate phantom armies to confuse the German military about their true intent when the attack was finally uh, launched in June of 1944, they continued their efforts. They kept on going despite the invasion. They, they continued to release stories to suggest it was only a diversion uh, with the real invasion to follow later. So what they said is, okay, we're going to send all these forces to Normandy, but that's not really the main thing. We're going to have more forces coming over in this area. And so all they were doing was feeding misinformation just to try to distract the enemy. And I want to say tonight that the success of this secret operation contributed greatly to the victory over Germany. Look at verse number two. It says that thou mayest regard discretion. So discretion is the ability to sort out truth from error. The, the enemy during that time, they weren't able to sort out truth from error. They didn't have discretion regarding this. You know what I want? I want to say tonight that we, each of us, we face each and every day a stream of temptation from Satan, who is the great deceiver. He comes to us and he tries to deceive us and he tries to give us different ploys and he says, okay, let me try to, let me try to chip, uh, trip up Brother Bobby Westmoreland or let me try to trip up Brother Tommy Vaughn or let me try to trip them up and here's why I'm going to try it. And if we're not wise, if we don't have discretion, we're going to fall to the devil's plan. We're going to fall to the devil's attack. So we, we face each and every day a stream of temptation from Satan who is the great deceiver. To help protect us, he has given us his word, he's given us a church, he's given us a prayer, he's given us these different avenues where we can help fight him. If we're familiar with the truth of God's word, we'll find it easier to recognize and to reject error. If we're wise about the things of God, so young people, I would say, listen to your mom and dad. They have wisdom. Young people, try to reach out to folks that are wiser than you. That's why the acquisition of wisdom is so important. As we grow in grace, we should be strengthening our skill at reading between the lines. When something pops up, let's try to see it for what it is. You parents, you do this. Maybe a, chi maybe a child wants to play with another person, 
And you should be wise and think, okay, is that person going to help my child or is that person going to drag my child down? We need to be discerning. We need to be, have some discretion. So how are we going to do that? Reading and studying and memorizing the Word of God will equip you to see the lies of the enemy. What lies will the devil tell you? As we're thinking about adultery, well, the little, little, little lie that the devil can come and say, he might come to you and say, oh, just a little bit of flirting, that's okay. He'll feed you that lie. Or he might say, well, you know, that lunch meeting with that opposite gender, just you and her, that's okay. I mean, you guys are just talking social stuff. No, no. Maybe you might, the devil might come to you and say, well, just a little glance at that on your phone. Or just that little glance on that computer, that won't hurt. That won't hurt. It just all starts with just a little something. The Bible says the little foxes spoil the the vines. May we be immersed in God's word. Let's be immersed. Number two, let's be informed. Let's be informed. Let's be aware of the adulterous woman. Let's be aware of maybe the adulterous man. Verses three through six, the Bible says, well, let's back up to verse number two. It says, that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge for the lips when that word for just means because. So Solomon's writing to Rehoboam, he says, because here's why I want you to have knowledge. Here's why I want you to have discretion. Because the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell, lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life. Her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. Let's be aware. Let's be informed that there are adulterous women. Let's be informed that there, is, there are adulterous men out there. Let's know that she or he is out there. Ladies, this can be applied to you. Realize that there are men out there that want to do wrong. Let's be aware that God is watching. Let's be informed. Look at verse number 20. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a strange stranger? Then look at verse number 21. Let's be informed. Look what the Bible says. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. May I remind you tonight that God knows all and he sees all. You say, well, Brother Mark, you, my, my wife doesn't know, or my husband doesn't know. God knows. God knows. He knows all. He sees all. He knows every move. He knows every desire. He knows every action you take. You say, well, it's just a small thing. God knows. He knows all about it. The Bible says in Proverbs 15 and verse number 3, it says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Let's be aware that God is watching. Let's be aware of the consequences that adultery can bring. You say, well, what are those consequences? Jump down to verse number 22. It says, His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. Sin brings bondage. 
Sin brings bondage. If you think about the story of Samson, most of you are probably familiar with Samson. Samson uh, was born, he was born as a Nazarite, and God had a special purpose for his life. There was an angel that came to his mother and told, uh, Samson, or told Samson's mother this in Judges 13, 5. It says, For lo, thou shalt conceive... And bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So Solomon was promised, uh, not Solomon, but uh, Samson was promised that he was going to come, and this angel speaking to Samson's mother and says, Hey, your son's going to be special. Your son's going to begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. And so God gave Samson a vast measure of strength. He was a strong man, and uh, that strength allowed him to win great victories over Israel's enemies. But despite the, the blessings he received from God, Samson took his responsibility to obey God's law lightly. And I want to say, if we're not careful, we can take obeying God's law lightly. When the Bible says, don't even look upon a woman, we can think, oh, well, that's just, we wouldn't say it out loud, but we think, well, that doesn't really apply to me. But we need to watch what we look at. And so Solomon took his responsibility to obey God's law lightly. He neglected to obey the God who gave him strength. Samson frequently catered to his immoral, um, immoral appetites, and he just kind of gave in. And the only one thing that he didn't, didn't give in to for a while was the strength of his hair. And you all know the story how Samson ended up falling asleep. And when he fell asleep, Delilah had known what was his strength. And so Delilah runs over to the enemy and says, Hey, a Samson's strength lies in his hair. And so the enemies come at night and they chop off his hair. He loses all his power. And when he awoke, his strength was gone and he was captured. You know what? Sin promises pleasure. Sin promises enjoyment, but it only delivers bondage. You think, well, I'm just having a little bit of good time. I'm just kind of doing a little bit of flirting. You think you're in control. But that sin's going to be in control. It's going to take over your life. And before you know it, there's a phone call that gets to your wife and your wife finds out. Or there's a phone call that gets to your husband and they find out. Sin promises pleasure and enjoyment, but it only delivers bondage. You know, sin gives the illustration that we are in control. And, that that is, and that's part of the allurement of sin. But that's just a lie. Like chains wrapped around our souls uh, again and again, the tentacles of sin take control of our life. They take control and they rob us of that freedom. Like Samson, you know, usually we don't recognize that this is happening. But if we recognize the, the deadly power of sin, we have to reject false promises of temptation. That's the only way to spiritual freedom. Sin is a master. If you, if you take away anything from this message tonight, remember, sin is a master not a servant. Sometimes we think, oh, they're just sin. I could control that. I can take care of that. But you know what? Sin has a powerful grip. And if we, we give the devil just an inch, he'll take a foot. Remember, sin is a master, not a servant. Though the bondage of sin might be invisible for just a time, it's always there. Look at verse number four. The Bible says, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. I looked up wormwood the other day. And wormwood is a symbol of bitterness. They say that there's a liquid that actually can come from wormwood. It's called absinthe. And if you continually drink that, they say that it, it'll mentally deteriorate and even could cause death. 
And that's what Solomon's saying. He said, hey, your end is like wormwood. Let's be informed. Let's be informed about the danger of adultery. So number one, we need to be immersed. We need to be informed. Number three, we need to be intentional. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Verses 7 through 14, we see the price of infidelity. The focus here is on the guilty suffering of the one who yields to lust rather than obeying God's law. There's a price that is going to be paid. Verse number seven, he says, he says, hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Then look at verse number eight. He says, remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house. Solomon says, hey, Rehoboam, I want you to just stay away. Don't even go by her house. Stay away from her. Man, ladies, let's stay clear of all temptation to be unfaithful. And I'm not just talking physically, maybe emotionally, maybe mentally. Maybe there's that lady at the office that you think, boy, she's so nice and she comes in. Boy, be careful of that. Stay away from temptation. Why walk down the magazine aisle if you know you're going to be tempted? Why pipe in premium cable channels that give you access to filth? Why be alone at a restaurant with the opposite gender? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2 and verse number 11, it says, all right, I'll read it. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Let's, let's, let's not be ignorant of his devices. That's not an actual device device. That's his method. That's how he works. Let's be careful. Let's be so very careful. Let's be intentional. Let's not even go near it. Let's, let's say if we think there's something not right with a certain situation, run from it. Go home. Tell your wife about it. Say, hey, I'm not getting good vibes about this person. Or maybe wife, if you detect something, it could be at the workplace. It can be in your neighborhood. It can be at the church house. Boy, I'd go tell your husband, say, honey, uh, here's what happened. I don't know if this is right. I don't know if, I don't know if I'm right. If, or, and they say a woman's tuition is very, very good. So maybe go to that husband and tell him about it. Let's be intentional. Let's guard our homes. The devil's after our homes. Let it not be said in the next six months here at Woodland that there was a home that broke because of this. Let's be intentional. Then lastly, number four, let's be intense. I said the second part of this chapter deals with the praise of fidelity, the praise of just staying with that wife who God gave you. I want to tell you a little story. Did you guys hear about the, the fire at the circus? It was very intense. It was intense. Not that kind of intense. It was intense. All right, let's quit the jokes anyway. But uh, we need to be intense. Be addicted to your ma mate and your spouse's love. Men, I want to encourage you, encourage myself. Let's cultivate and work at a love for our wife. The Bible says here in verse number 15, it says, Drink waters out of thine own cistern, and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad, and rivers of waters in the streets. Let them be only thine own, and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountains be blessed. And then it says, And rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Men, let's be all about our wives. Sometimes we can get wrapped up in work. Sometimes we can get wrapped up in maybe the pressures of life. Or, but let's love our wife. You say, well, where, where's that in the Bible? Ephesians 5, verse number 25, it says the husbands, and what does it say? Love your wives. So we have the, the, the that's the duty for us, men. We're to love our wives. 
Then it says, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So not only there do we see the duty of loving our wife, but we see the degree to which we're supposed to love our wife. The degree is Christ went all the way to Calvary and died for the church. We're supposed to love our wife in that same manner as the preacher would say, ouch. We need to love our wives. We need to be about them. The verse of this, we see the duty, but we also see the degree of it. Look at verse number four. It says, but the end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. So we see the contrast. We see where it says, hey, there's the contrast. If you, if you don't and you, you, you fall into adultery, the Bible says, hey, her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Then we see the other side of the story. Verse number 15, drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. Boy, water, there's something about water that's refreshing. Boy, we're, we're experiencing some hot days right now. There's something about just a cold drink of water. And the Bible says, hey, drink waters out of your own cistern. Hey, stay, stay faithful. We're, we're to draw all of our refreshment physically and affectionately from our own wife. Verse number 18, it says, remember the wife of thy youth. Husbands, you loved her then, love her now. You know, the two of you are one flesh and as we close, maybe you're growing a garden this year. I don't, I don't claim to be any type of gardener or anything, but I, I know a little bit about gardening. I know they take work. I know they need to be watered. I know they need to be, to be weeded. They need to be protected. You know, in this area, we have to protect our, our uh, uh, gardens from deer and from uh, other animals. In California, you just have to protect them from the squirrels, and you're good. We don't have deer, but, uh, but they need to be protected. And I want to say a successful marriage is going to take work. It doesn't just happen. You'll have to water it. You'll have to weed it. You'll have to work out the problems. If something pops up, work on it. Figure out the problem. Figure out how to get through it. A, a marriage needs to be protected. Protect your mind. Protect your emotions. Protect your eyes. God help each of us today to help us to love our spouse. Husbands, be all about your wife. Wives, be all about your husband. Maybe you, you, you wives, you work outside the home and you go to a job and you're all about serving the boss and we should be good employees. But that, that employer shouldn't take precedence over the husband, shouldn't take precedence, precedence over the, the children. Be about your home. So we need to be immersed. Let's be all about getting wisdom. We need to be informed. Let's be aware of the adulterous situations that can pop up. Let's be intentional. Let's get away from every situation that might even scream just a little bit, might whisper, hey, that's temptation. Stay away from it. Let's be intentional. And let's be intense. Let's be intense about our homes. If we'll do these things, I think it'll help us. I think it'll help our home. I think it'll help our marriages. I think it'll help our church. If we'll have strong families, our church is only going to be as strong as our families. And I don't know about you, but I want a strong church. I think our pastor wants a strong church. And most importantly, I think God wants a strong church. So let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. I know it wasn't a bombastic message. I didn't necessarily plan it that way. But maybe something hit home. Maybe something spoke to you and God said, hey, hey, there's a little area I need, you need to work on. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's a thought, pa thought pattern. Maybe it's a, an, an action. Maybe you're just kind of flirting with sin a little bit. If you're not careful, it's going to bite you. 
If you're not careful, it's going to be bitter as wormwood. Think about the end product. Oh, it, it says sin's fun for just for a season, but the end is coming. Be, the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Let's stand to our...